Lift our voices with Come Thou Fount. Psalm 52. Why do you boast of evil, O mighty man? The steadfast love of God endures all the day. Your tongue plots destruction like a sharp razor, you worker of deceit. You love evil more than good, and lying more than speaking what is right. You love all words that devour, O deceitful tongue. But God will break you down forever. He will snatch and tear you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. The righteous shall see and fear, and shall laugh at him, saying, See the man who would not make God his refuge, but trusted in the abundance of his riches, and sought refuge in his own destruction. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. I will thank you forever, because you have done it. I will wait for your name. For it is good in the presence of the godly. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we come together to um, praise you for who you are, 
what you've done. And um, we can get consumed sometimes with ourselves, but God, clear our hearts. Um, help our focus be on you, be on your son, his sacrifice. God, help us be attentive to the Holy Spirit as we come to worship you. Amen. Please be seated. So as we review our catechism questions, uh, we go back to the 13th of February with catechism question number 35. Since we are redeemed by grace alone, through faith alone, where does this faith come from? And we'll answer together, from the Holy Spirit. We take our verse this morning from Titus 3, 4 to 6. Let's say this together as well. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So as we review these, we go back a few weeks and I got up and went over there, but I'm going to stay here this morning where it's safe. Recall Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Christ, the gospel, is the only source. Any faith we create is false. Any faith we think we create is false. Any faith we think is better or more than the gospel more socially just, more equitable, more profitable, more patriotic, more family-centered, more righteous in our own eyes, more we're good and they're not. Any faith other than the gospel is a lesser faith. It's a false faith we've created for ourselves. And let's call it what it really is. It's a me faith. The Holy Spirit, this gift, is called a pledge or a guarantee. In 2 Corinthians 5.5, 5, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. We're being prepared for heaven, folks. We have a guarantee of God's love, a guarantee through Christ's sacrifice of the Father's eternal power, a guarantee of heaven, and a guarantee against me faith. Good news, life-saving justification on our behalf was planned from the beginning in Christ. And confessing Christ works in us now through the Holy Spirit. We are part of his eternity now. Part of his plan right now in this moment and forever. Confessing Christ as Lord and Savior, our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And his name is written on our hearts. So our work in sanctification is to give in to the Holy Spirit that is already in our hearts. This, again, begins with and is completed in Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. Our giving in is our active worship of Christ alone, our one true hope. So we often think of giving in as surrendering and if there is any surrendering in giving up, it's surrendering our selfishness, surrendering our me faith. 
I really prefer giving in than surrendering. Surrendering seems like a one and done. I have surrendered. Thank you very much. On Check the box. Move on to the next catechism question. But I really prefer giving in. That's more active. That's more continuous. That's more sanctification-y. I know, I just made that up. <laughs> giving in is our active response to the gift of the Holy Spirit in us. Giving in to Jesus Christ. Let's sing, The Lord is my salvation. And when I read 
Catechism question 36. So then what do we believe about the Holy Spirit? Our short answer together, that he is God, co-eternal with the Father and the Son. And our scripture comes from John 14, 16 to 17. Let's say this together as well. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And this is where we entered part three of our catechism. Some short people in this church. And we, uh, we started to look at the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is what gave us the faith. We've been working through the parts about Jesus and salvation. And then we came to what do we believe about the Holy Spirit. And we believe that he is God. And we started by looking at what that means. Kind of a twofold nature of first that he is a person in and of himself. That he has an independent ability to act, maneuver, choose, will. That the Holy Spirit is its own person. It's not a part of God. But that the Holy Spirit is God. It's not a messenger from God like an angel sent to help. But the Holy Spirit is God. Which led us to a discussion of the Trinity. Because we already understood from previous catechism questions that the Son was God and that the Father was God. And now the Holy Spirit also was God. And we talked about the nature of the Trinity and kind of the nature of mysteries of God in general. That they're, they're bigger than we are. And, and we are working with an imperfect amount of information, right? If you've ever seen a, like a mystery story, what is the detect detective trying to do? The detective is trying to find out the facts, right? Just the facts, ma'am. Because if you can get the facts, you can solve the mystery. And the problem that we have is we're not working with all the facts. We are, we're pretty finite. And because we have an imperfect knowledge that we're starting with, we will very rarely be able to get to the point where we say, I understand the mysteries of God. Because we're not God, and we're not supposed to. So God's mysteries, we discovered, really aren't designed for us to solve. They're designed to help us worship him. Because if we're always processing things from our finite experience, then we'll never be able to, to match up kind of, oh, yeah, I get that. That's just like this thing. Well, no, it's not just like anything. It's bigger than anything and different from anything that we understand. And the Trinity was the same way, and it elevated our worship of God, that he can be one God with three persons. And even though we've never met anyone like that before, it doesn't mean it can't happen. It just means it's bigger than we are. So that was who the Holy Spirit was in the context of the Trinity. And, and the second thing we learned about the Holy Spirit was that it was co-eternal. He was co-eternal with the Father and the Son. So that means he's been around forever. And we looked through the Old Testament and saw, sure enough, the Spirit of God was there from Genesis all the way through Exodus through the prophets, all along working in the Old Testament but working in a different way than we understand now. Uh, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit functioned in a lot of different ways and continues to do so, but we saw that God had a plan, and this was the third part we looked at with the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is given irrevocably to everyone who believes, and that we are living in a new, in a new age since Christ has come in which God himself can dwell in us. There's no longer a temple. It's not separate that he wants to indwell his people. and We as his people then are no longer subject to the flesh. So we previously, right, we, we talked about our problem we had with sin. 
And mostly we looked at the fact that because we have sinned, we deserve punishment. And we focused on that because we were learning about Jesus, and Jesus came and his sacrifice took that punishment so that we were justified. But we sinned not because it's like, oh, it was an accident. It was this one-time thing. It happened. I'm sorry it happened. Jesus, if you can take care of it, I'll never do it again. We sinned because we have a sinful nature, and we will continue to sin. And Christ's sacrifice justified us from the penalty of that, but we need also to be freed from the power of sin in our lives. And the Holy Spirit now enables us to do that. And we saw that in Romans chapter 8. So in Romans 8, starting in verse 9, Paul says, You, however, are controlled, not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. So that spirit we have now is a guarantee. And it, it's something that God has given us as a promise. And it helps us now to live. And that led into our final question, which we'll talk about after this song. Saturate my soul. 
And so our final catechism question review, number 37, how does the Holy Spirit help us? Let's say this together. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin, and he enables us to pray and to understand God's word. From Ephesians 6, 17 to 18. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all saints. It's good to review. Um, and I'm grateful for Jason um, allowing each of us that have taken one of the Sundays to have an opportunity to um, review. Um, but it was quite a challenge, actually, for me. Uh, you know I'm not real brief. Um, and uh, ha, ha, ha. Um, <laughs> that's all right. Um, but I already thought I had done that <laughs> in last week's message. So to boil it down even further uh, was an interesting challenge, but I really think that um, there are some things that are most critical about what was shared last week. And the first is um, that the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. And from John 16, 13 through 15, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide us into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So he guides us into all truth, but we also saw that the Spirit also teaches us all things and has a critical role of reminding us of everything that Jesus said. And we found that in John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And the third thing that we learned of the many that we talked about was that the Spirit transforms us. A primary work of the Spirit within us is to work out our salvation. So in 2 Corinthians 3, 17 to 18, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Or as another translation puts it, from one glory to another glory. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I think sometimes we're not very um, uh, tolerant of each other or even of ourselves because we think for some reason we should be perfect once we've come to Christ when the reality is that there is this transforming, this sanctification that has to take place. It begins at a point in time, but it continues until the day of Christ. And I think we need to remember that as we deal with one another um, on a daily basis. 
therefore, we need to obey Christ's command to love one another. And one of the things that helps us to do that, one of the things the Spirit does to help us to do that is to remind us of the words of Christ and to transform us so that we are able to. But then there were also two critical tests that I offered for you and me last week. Um, and that is the test of whether or not um, we are listening, in fact, to the Holy Spirit within us, or whether we have fallen into the easily uh, grasping error of listening to our own consciences. And so there were two tests that I offered, which are really offered in Scripture. Does The first test is this question. Does what I am believing or what I am speaking or how I am acting line up with the whole counsel of Scripture? The way I'm believing, the way I'm acting, the way I'm speaking, does it line up with the whole counsel of Scripture? Because we saw already that one of the things the Spirit does is he guides us into all truth and he teaches us all truth and reminds us of the words of Christ. And the second thing is, uh, second question is, does what I'm believing or what I am speaking or how I am acting glorify anyone or anything other than Christ? Remember from the passage in John 16, one of the things the Spirit does is he glorifies Christ. I have one critical warning, and that is because our consciences at times, and probably most of the time, are, and I showed you from Scripture, and if you want these passages, go to the Faith Life Post. I put all the passages there and each reference so that you could review again. But our consciences are evil. Our consciences conflict with the truth. Our consciences can be seared. Our consciences can be weak, weakened by cultural things that are around us or our histories. And our consciences can be defiled. Our own consciousnesses must never, let me repeat that, our own consciences must never be allowed to be our guide. It must never be allowed to rise above Scripture. It has a proper place, and it is not above Scripture. Our consciences are not more authoritative than the Word of God. Our consciences will naturally, easily, and very often ignore or twist the Word of God and then offer us an excuse to justify our thinking, even using the very Word of God at times to twist the truth. That's the problem with cherry-picking verses that support a position. One critical task. So I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward God and man. That's what Paul said in Acts 24.16. And I stress the words, I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward, toward both God and man. It is not a simple or easy or relaxed sort of effort. At times it is very painful to give up what we want, what we believe, what we desire, in order that God's word 
Christ himself, the Holy Spirit, would reign in our lives. It does require a giving up. And so I leave you with Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's the way to avoid. And richly is a very important word. It's not beggarly. To be richly dwelling within us requires effort. It's kind of like mining for gold. Gold generally isn't found on the surface. It takes digging. It takes concentrated effort. It takes will. And as we talked even about the Holy Spirit being the one who provides us with armor, the scripture is very clear. We have two instructions there in Ephesians 6. Put on and take up. Those are action words. Those are things we must do in conjunction with the work that the Spirit is doing within us. Holy Spirit.
invite Dave Shockley to come and lead us in prayer. Psalm 52 is our scripture for the day, and so I read through that to see what a proper response might be, and to me, uh, immediately I thought, well, Psalm 1 is the perfect response. So let me read. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word. May it dwell in us richly. And how can we praise you enough? All eternity will not exhaust those efforts, for you are mighty and holy and forever. So we come before you in your house, humble and in need, but glorying in you. Thank you for your abundant blessing on this church family. Thank you for restoring Brother Dan to us. Thank you for providing other men who faithfully bring your word to us. We see your hand on them and praise you even more. Your will is awesome. May it be done today here. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is our time for communion. Amen? This is our time as a church that we come together to identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we say publicly. And I just want to say this to, to all of you that are here today. You may be here today and do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I just want to invite you, that God invites you. God invites you to open your heart and your mind to him that you would surrender to the Lord, that you would give your heart and life to him and acknowledge that I am a sinner, Lord. I know that I have lived my life for myself. I know that I have have strayed from you. I know that uh, that, uh, I am more important than you are, God. And that is sin. But we know that God has forgiven us. We know that God has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. Amen? That's what we publicly testify today. 
as we partake of communion. I just want to give some instructions. Uh, in the past, we have had the tables uh, spread around through the sanctuary, and, and they're just going to be right here, and uh, they will be given uh, to you uh, as you come forward. We just invite you to come forward and partake together. I just want to read a passage of Scripture, and this is from our Lord Jesus Christ. It says, it says and they... Uh, and they uh, were eating. He took, uh, and as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to them, and said, "Take, this is my body." And he took a cup, which he had given, uh, given thanks. He gave it to them, and they all drank it. And he said, "This is my blood, of the new of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day." when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. I just love that passage from Christ. He is telling his disciples, look, this is what I am doing. This is my body which is given for you. When you partake of communion, the body and blood of Christ is represented here. We, we identify with that, and that is so encouraging. One of the things I love about that passage is I will not do this Again, until I do it again in heaven with you. I just think of the Lord's Supper of the Lamb, where Jesus Christ, I believe, will be, will be administering communion. And, and, and we'll be saying, this is me. This is what I have done for you. And it will all come true. It will all be, the, uh, this is one of the mysteries that Peter talked about. The mystery light bulb will go on and go, oh, I get it. And we will say, praise God from whom all blessings flow. And, uh, and so we just want to uh, uh, invite you as the, as the songs. You know, one of the things that the scripture has been shared, and I just want to say thank you to all the guys that shared. And I just want to say that the, the scripture has been shared. The word has been shared. Music has been shared, all pointing to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And that is what it's all about. We are going to be, uh, there's a couple of songs that will be sung during communion. I just encourage you that you would just sing out as, as uh, you're participating, uh, but we invite you to come forward uh, to, to be administered communion. As we just want to say, this represents the body and blood of Jesus Christ, which is given for you. Let me pray. Father, we come before you and we want to say thank you. God, thank you so much for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. God, we thank you so much for his sacrifice. Lord, we lost it all. Lord, you gave it all. We just want to say thank you. Lord, because in your giving it all, we get it all back. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the indwelling of your Holy Spirit that lives within us, that convicts us, that directs us, that prompts us, that teaches us, that directs us. Lord, we just want to say thank you for all that your Spirit does in our hearts and lives. And Lord, that Lord, that it is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And Lord, that includes your spirit that lives within us. We just want to say thank you and we give you praise and honor and glory. God, thank you so much. Lord, we, uh, we praise you this day. Lord, thank you so much for ministering to our hearts, to our minds. And Father, as we go into this time of communion, God, we just want to say that we identify with your death. 
Lord, it's not that we celebrate your death. Father, we acknowledge your death. We acknowledge that you died as a ransom for many. Lord, you've sacrificed your very life, Lord, for the forgiveness of sin. Lord, I think of the Apostle Paul, which said, which I am the chief of all sinners. Lord, there is none of us that is exempt. So, God, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. Lord, thank you, Lord, as we acknowledge you, as we identify with you, Lord. Father, we think of the, the words of the Apostle Paul that, Lord, that you promise that you will come again and that you will take us to yourself. And that, Lord, that we will celebrate, Lord, the Lord's Supper with you in heaven. God, we just want to say thank you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may come forward as...
Jesus died my soul to save, my lips shall still
invite you to stand now. So we close with, and can it be? And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain? people said. Amen. Amen. God bless you all.